my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Pastor Ricardo, minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in Adelaide. And I am delighted to spend the next hour with you, wherever you're listening from, sharing the Word of God today. The theme that we are exploring this week, during the whole week, is the Bible, Jesus, and the end times. Now, yesterday we discovered that the best preparation for the end times is not to store a lot of non-perishables in an underground shelter, no. But the best preparation for the end times, according to Jesus, is to have a daily relationship with Him. Now, today, the big question that we are going to try and answer is, does talking about the end times makes me an alarmist? And to help us answer that question, um, as usually every every Wednesday, is Pastor David joining me here at the Faith FM studio. Welcome, David, once again. How are you? Good afternoon, Ricardo. It's uh, wonderful to be with you. And, um, yeah, really good topic today, isn't it? So I want to welcome all of our listeners right across Australia, um, knowing that uh, some of you are going through extreme heat wow, and, uh, yes. and fires um, and all sorts of things. And... Um, I guess it's times like this, irrespective of what we're going through, to know that there is a God that loves us and a God who is um, working on our behalf. Yes, yes, he's in control. He's in control. Now, um, as we always promise, we look at world religious events in the light of Bible prophecy. So I have an article to share with you, dear listeners, from the Associated Press, February twenty second, 2024. And the title is Trump tells religious broadcasters he'll defend Christianity against perceived threats from the left. Uh, And the article says former President Donald Trump promised to use a second term in the White House to defend Christian values and even suggested he'd shield the faith's central iconography warning a convention uh, of religious broadcasters on Thursday night that, he, that, that the left wants to tear down crosses. And it says here, Remember, every communist regime throughout history has tried to stamp out the churches, just like every fascist regime has tried to co-opt them and control them. Trump told hundreds of cheering um, attendees at the National Religious Broadcasters International Christian Media Convention in Nashville, and in America, the radical left is trying to do both, he added. He said, they want to tear down crosses where they can and cover them up with social justice flags, Trump added. But no one will be touching the cross of Christ under the Trump administration, I swear to you, he said. Trump's comments reflect his embrace of Christian nationalism a belief that is powerful among conservative evangelicals who say the founders of the U.S. intended the country to be a Christian nation. Some adherents believe the U.S. Constitution was inspired by God and that federal government should declare the U.S. a Christian nation, advocate, uh, sorry, advocate 
Christian values or stop enforcing the separation of church and state. The left is trying to shame Christians, Trump said. They're trying to shame us. I am a very proud Christian. Now, dear listeners, when we talk about uh, Christian nationalism, Christian nationalism actually tends to see other people as second-class citizens. I know it may sound good to say uh, we're going to defend Christian values, we're we're going to uphold Christian values, but when you cross the line and you try to enforce Christian values upon others, that is not something that um, the Bible encourages us to do. In fact, this is not something that God even himself does. It says, um, oh, well, uh, you know, speaking about Christian nationalism, um, if it were fully implemented, it would not respect the full religious liberty of all. So it has the basically the potential to empower the state with the ability to pass on moral laws to regulate conduct. Now, as history shows, this carries the risk of giving the state too much power, power that could later be used against, even against other Christians who may have a different interpretation of the scriptures and who may want to follow the dictates of their conscience. Now, additionally, Christian nationalism is an ideology held primarily by white Americans, so it tends to increase racial and ethnic division. So the article, uh, going back to the article, it says, uh, I'm just reading excerpts from the article here, Trump used his speech to boast that he had used his first term to do more to uphold religious freedom than any administration in history. The enthusiasm for this election coming up in November is far greater than it was in 2016 or 2020, he said. Some religious leaders were initially hesitant to to get behind multi-divorcee Trump when he first ran for president in 2016. But now they are among his mostly solidly loyal Make America Great Again base. When he came onto the scene, people were skeptical, said Troy Miller, president and CEO of the National Religious Broadcasters. But I think, he said, as they've learned more and listened to Donald Trump speak, the one thing I hear all the time from people is that they really feel like Donald Trump understands them. Um, why I want to share this article with you, this is happening right now in the United States. You can see that there is a very, uh, it is very likely that um, Republicans are going to push for Christian nationalism, which means that it makes it much easier for the government to have enough power to dictate and to come up with moral laws to enforce Christian values. That is actually something that God doesn't doesn't do with any of us. Um, I wonder if, David, you could read for us John 16, 1 to 3, because these things that we are looking at, Jesus already knew and he foretold about them. Look, absolutely, and beautiful chapter 2, John chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Mm. So um, do, you, do you see here, David, that, that Jesus was foretelling some sort of um, 
uh, enforcement of Christianity? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think there is some differences between upholding religious liberty, and you touched on that in in the the article that you shared. Um, we also need to protect against discrimination, and and I think uh, someone's conscience of of worship or or freedom of freedom to choose faith or religion is a human right. Yes, indeed. And what we're often seeing in the West or the developed world, however you might want to call it, is, and even in our own country, mm-hmm. is for um, uh, that to be being pushed out mm-hmm. and, and squashed. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, you know, there was a, a rugby union player that a number of years ago in New South Wales was basically sacked. Uh, because of quoting uh, a passage from Scripture. Yes. It's interesting that all sporting, or many sporting codes, you see it in the news, they play up, there's, there's allegations made at times, and you see it in the media of, of someone that's allegedly um, sexually um, you know, taken advantage of someone mm. or someone's claimed to, to have been raped, etc., um, during a, a, going out dating with a rugby league player or whoever it may be. And often these players, sometimes they might be stood down, but, you know, unless they're convicted, mm-hmm. they're not sacked. But for quoting right. scripture, they someone are. is sacked. Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, the, these words here in John 16, 1 to 3 from Jesus, mm. you know, don't be surprised mm-hmm. um, if you're put out from the synagogue. So, in other words, when uh, when state and church unite... And enforce, and this is what mm-hmm. the article is touching on. Alternatively, when and often it is with state, when a, mm-hmm. a religious group enforces and tries to dominate, mm-hmm. and you see this. Uh, you know, I had one lecturer uh, share with a class that I was in when I went through seminary. He said, "If you want to see what a world religion is truly like, go to the country where it predominates." Now, yes, we need to be careful what we say here, but if you want to go to some countries where different faiths predominate, where it is the dominant religion mm. or the state religion, that's what you see what it's mm. really like. You may find oppression. You will find oppression, places. yet when, it, when, when those um, faiths come to Australia, mm. it's a more milder, um, mm. if you like, um, setting because, because they're the in a secular setting yes. and it doesn't dominate. Yes. But if you really want to know what that religion is really like, mm. see where it dominates. Now, we could go all the way back through history, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. We know that the, the Christian church, the medieval church, the Roman Catholic yes. church um, had the force, uh, mm. had, had the backing of the state. No restriction. No basically. restriction. And there are estimates of up to 50 million people mm-hmm. that lost their lives simply for yes. not adhering to the faith of the Roman Catholic church, the medieval church, and lost their lives. Mm-hmm. Some of them, many of them, even for just having portions of the scripture on their person. Wow. So... Whenever, uh, whenever force comes with religion, there is trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and for any political leader to try and enforce religion, mm. uh, I think is going to end in problems. So I think Always. there is a there is a role for religious, uh, sorry, a role for political uh, lawmakers to ensure that um, religious liberty mm-hmm. is something that is upheld, but. R- 
Christianity, for example, shouldn't be enforced as as the religion of our country. Absolutely. Because we know that we're not saved by what a government does and enforcing and say this is a religion or someone just having a head knowledge and mm. assenting to that. Many people will be lost. Of uh, course. Revelation 13 tells us that uh, there'll be a mark of the beast. And it'll be in people's hands, a mark on their hand or their forehead. Now, there's symbolism here, right? Mm -hmm. The mark on the hand in Revelation 13 represents those who um, feel compelled Mm. to succumb to the mark of the beast. They Mm -hmm. may not believe in it, but Mm -hmm. they're compelled. Yes. The hand is a symbol for labor. Yes. And the restrictions, uh, we're told in Revelation, for those who choose not to to worship the beast mm. and to receive uh, his mark. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas those that take the mark on the forehead are making a conscious decision. They really believe Voluntarily. it. So we're told throughout Scripture, and even here in this verse in, in uh, John 16, mm-hmm. Jesus is talking about you're going to be cast out from the synagogues. Yes. Well, what did uh, Saul do, who later became Paul? What was his mission? <laughs> to persecute cre- true Christians. True Christians. Whom they believed were, were heretics or it, against the true religion. Yeah, he, he was mm. a devout Jew, a Jew yes. of Jews. And he was so, um, if I want to use the word radicalized, mm. so devout and zealous in his faith mm-hmm. that it was his job with letters he had from the high priests, etc., to go and chase Christians all the way to Damascus in exactly, Syria exactly. and women and children, bring them back in chains and um, responsible for yes, their deaths. he took them out of their houses and put them in jail. So there in that verse, Jesus is describing that throughout history until the day before his second coming, we would have people uh, persecuting, uh, even killing Christians, thinking that they are doing God a favor or a service. It sounds very much like the article that I just read because these uh, advocates of uh, Christian nationalism are thinking that they are doing God a favor by enforcing Christianity on others. But that is not God's way. And and you highlighted something to me earlier, Ricardo, and it was verse 3. This is just after we've read that um, don't be shocked or surprised if you're cast out of synagogues, etc., and persecuted. Mm-hmm. Whoever kills you, verse 2, will think that they are, are doing things to offer God a favor, if you like, or doing a service to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in essence, um, I don't want to get playing into you know Trump or Biden or any of that sort of no, thing. No, but no, in no. essence, what you've read there seems to indicate, well, hey, we're supporting God, mm-hmm. you know, by by looking at doing these things. But verse three of of John sixteen says, "And these things they will do." This is killing people and throwing mm-hmm, them out of synagogues. Mm-hmm. These things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Mm. So they will enforce religion and others. Because they don't know the Father or, or Jesus. Mm. Which is really interesting because Matthew 25, we have this parable of the ten virgins, ten women. Mm-hmm. It's all about being ready for the second coming, right? And, and this has been covered already uh, this week. Yes. What does Jesus say, and, and he's the bridegroom uh, in in this this parable in Matthew twenty five, when the five foolish virgins who had run out of oil and then go buy more, they come to the house of of the bridegroom. They knock on the door because the door is shut. Jesus is in about verse twelve or thirteen of of chapter twenty five of Matthew, and Jesus says, "Go away, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you." That no, Those words, I believe, are some of the saddest words in Scripture. For Jesus to say to people, depart from me, I never knew you. 
And yet what we've just read in John 16 verse 3 is people that are the persecuting, people that are trying to enforce religion, mm-hmm. believing that they are doing God a favor or, or the society a favor, mm. are actually, Jesus says, they don't know the Father nor me. Right, because the Father would not act like that. Absolutely. And that's the other verse I wanted to share, Second Peter 3, 9. I think it describes how um, the Father, God, uh, treats us. It does, and you'll need to remind me when, when we get into our Bible study, Ricardo, because we're, we're going to focus a little bit on mm-hmm. this chapter. But Second uh, Peter 3, 9, it's the Apostle Peter. He's talking about Jesus' promise of his return. And he says here, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm-hmm. So this tells us that um, God is long-suffering. Yes, waiting. He's waiting. He's, he's yearning for people to come and make a decision for him. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants them to come to repentance. Now, one of the things um, that I've come to understand through life is you can't force repentance. No. It needs to come from the heart. It comes from the heart when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit or your conscience, which the Holy Spirit impresses, and lets us know that we've made a mistake, we've sinned, we've done wrong. Yes, absolutely. The states can't enforce um, Mm. repentance or isn't the moral judge. Mm. Only God's law is. Only his word is. Yes. Even if people were to abide by these laws enforcing Christian values, what's the point? If they are doing it out of fear, no one will be saved by the things that they do or don't do, but by accepting honestly and truly Jesus Christ into their, into their lives. And that's an interesting point. Fear first originated in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? Yes. When Adam and Eve chose their own way, chose to go separate to God's way, when they realized that they were naked, mm-hmm. when they realized that having eaten the forbidden fruit, so mm. to speak... It says they realized they were naked, they were fearful, and they hid. Yes. God is a God of love, not of fear. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Um, very interesting conversation. And today we have a very interesting topic. The question is, does talking about the end times make me an alarmist? But before we go there, we need to have a break, and let's listen to a song by um, Carly Fletcher, Behold, This Is Our God.
Fletcher with Behold, This Is Our God. What a beautiful song. Indeed, that is what we will say when we see Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. Our giveaway for this week, dear listeners, is the book called End Time Hope by Pastor Mark Finley. Now, when we talk about end time, normally people think about fear or something to be afraid of when we talk about end-time events. But look at the title of this book, End-Time Hope. So I really recommend this book. It's going to bring hope and encouragement into your life as you contemplate the end-time events from the perspective that God is in control of 
of the of the of the world and the lives of those who follow him. So, um, if you would like to have um, a free copy of this book, you need to send us the code that I'm going to give you shortly, and text the code to the number o four triple eight eight o eight eleven. Now, let me talk to you about this book uh, by uh, Pastor Mark Finley: terrorist threats. School violence, devastating tornadoes, a shaky economy, the rising nuclear threat in Iran and North Korea. That's enough to frighten anybody unless you understand what's behind today's headlines. This book provides answers to the confusing dilemma this world is facing. You will experience hope as you read each chapter. As we explore what the Bible says about what is really going on, on this planet, you will discover answers that satisfy your head and speak to your heart. There is some incredibly good news in this book by, uh, by Pastor Mark Finley. The biblical teaching of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ thus raise some questions. For example, how will Christ return? Is it a secret, silent coming or a majestic, glorious event? What events will precede Jesus' return? Has our Lord himself given us end-time signs that signal his coming is near? What is the meaning of Armageddon and the tribulation spoken of in Revelation? What about the rise of the Antichrist? How can we prepare for the coming of our Lord? You see, every chapter of end-time hope echoes with certainty, and best of all, the answers come directly uh, from Jesus' own words in the Bible. You can face the future with greater confidence. In these pages, you will look beyond what is to what will be, and your heart will soar. Joy will be yours as you discover hope for today, tomorrow, and forever. So, dear friends, the code you need to text is SA205. SA for South Australia, of course. Um, SA205, no spaces in between. To the number 04888808811. And we would love to hear your feedback, comments, questions, prayer requests, or if you simply want to say hi, just text uh, your comments to that number 04888808811. We'll be delighted to get back to you. So there you go. You can save that number on your phone as well 04888808811 as Drive Time Faith FM and use it uh, whenever you like. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back, dear friends. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor David, and this week we are following the theme, The Bible, Jesus, and the End Times. And the question that we are dealing with today is, does talking about the end times make me an alarmist? So, uh, David, I guess the question that begs to be asked is, what is an alarmist? Really good question. An alarmist, Ricardo, is someone that exaggerates a danger uh-huh. and causes needless worry or panic. Right. In other words, they exaggerate the danger. It may not even eventuate or it may not be as big as people think. 
Mm-hmm. And immediately as I say this, what comes into my mind, which is often dangerous because it just comes into my head, I think of these tsunami warnings that you hear on on, yes. on the media every now and again. Uh, you know, there's an earthquake somewhere under the sea, depending how close to the surface, mm. um, will depend how big the tsunami may be. Uh, and um, they put out these tsunami warnings. Now, we know that I think it was 2004 or something, or, or 2000 around Boxing Day, I think, 2004, I think, there was this massive tsunami, right, that killed upwards of 250,000 people in Indonesia. Um, But often there have been tsunami warnings since Mm. that have not come to be so. And so when someone, um, uh, and I'm not saying they exaggerate, right, but when these warnings come out, when the things don't eventuate, people become more, they turn off. Uh, they downplay it. And so when the real alarm comes or the alarm comes for a real event, mm-hmm. uh, people aren't ready, they're not prepared, and tragedy mm-hmm. strikes. So I want to suggest to you that, um, yeah, uh, images of people standing on soapboxes in the mall, and, um, you know, I've been in the mall here in Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, everywhere you go, it doesn't matter where you live in Australia, you, you, you'll you get the picture, someone standing up on a on a milk crate or just standing there with a placard on, uh, repent or die, whatever yes. it might be. Um, I remember being in, um, in Brazil, uh, in, in the largest city there in Brazil in 2017, I was up, uh, you know, a few stories off the ground, maybe about three stories off the ground in a building, looking out the window, and down below was this man um, with a Bible in one hand, outstretched, and as people walked past, he was screaming at the top of his voice, and I didn't understand the Portuguese, uh. but screaming at the top of his voice, and it was the Bible he had, with the Bible open and thumping the Bible with his other hand as he pointed mm. to people as they walked past. Uh-huh. And I'm assuming he was... Uh, telling them they were doomed unless they accepted Christ. And this Mm. man was really passionate. Mm -hmm. But that sort of um, behavior doesn't engender um, buy-in from people typically Mm -hmm. Uh, because God is not a a God of fear. God is a God of love. And in uh, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but the apostle says, but perfect love casts out fear Mm -hmm. because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So this whole message of the return of Jesus is not an alarmist message. It is not fear-mongering. That is not the purpose. Exactly. And so talk of the end times only becomes sensational fear-mongering or alarmist if the events in question don't actually eventuate. If they do eventuate, then they're actually reality and they're rather warning people so they can escape mm-hmm. the consequences, such as a tsunami. Right. So, um, uh, Ricardo, um, and, and I'm just going to go to some notes. I just dug something off my computer, or didn't mm-hmm. dig it out, but, but <laughs> pulled it out, or didn't. I brought it up is probably the right words to right. say. Um, I gave a presentation last Saturday um, to some people, and there was a quote that I used by Dwight Moody, the famous Baptist preacher. And this is what he said. He said, someone that is not committed to mission is like a firefighter who runs into a burning building just to fix a painting on the wall. I'll say it again. Someone that is not committed to mission is like a firefighter who runs into a burning building just to fix a painting 
on the wall. In other words, the house is burning down and instead of going to rescue people or animals or whatever might be in the home, the firefighter rushes in and straightens up the picture on the wall it's going to burn anyway. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the Christian church and the mission of the Christian church is to ready people to meet Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our job. That's what we've been called to do. It's not the role of, of, of solely paid ministers, priests or reverends or whatever they might be called in different denominations. Mm-hmm. It's the role of every believer in Jesus Christ to prepare people for his return. Yes. That's our mission. For our own good as well. And, yeah. and for our own good as well, because as we share that message, as we share with other people, we grow, correct? Mm. So we need to follow what the words of Scripture say. And if the words of Scripture mm. point out points about the future and what is to come, and we're silent on those, it's reprehensible. It's like the firefighter going oh, into yes. the burning building and just shifting the painting. So let me, let me put it this way. Was God through Noah fear-mongering with his claims of the flood and his desire for everyone to be saved? Was that just fear-mongering? No, absolutely not. And, and you know, he, he, he built that ark and he preached for what duration? How long did it take? 120 years of his life dedicated, invested in building this massive ark and, and preaching the same message for 120 years. So he built an ark on dry land. It wasn't a dry mm. dock or a boat ramp near a body mm. of water. It was on mm. dry land. Yes. They'd never seen um, an ocean before, mm-hmm. as we read Scripture. There was rivers and, and whatever. They had never seen a boat of this size before. Mm. Or rain. Or rain before, if you read Scripture. Mm. And so here is this extremist, <laughs> by, by human terms, right? He, this yes. guy's he's off with the fairies. Mm-hmm. He's an extremist. Um, he's a dangerous cult leader, some people <laughs> would have uh, possibly thought. Yeah. They are the minority. They're the minority. And yet he's preaching a message of of doom to come. Mm. But that's not really his message, I think. He's preaching a message of righteousness, that mm. there is a way of escape. Yes. And the ark was a vehicle of salvation, if you like, being saved from death in Noah's day. And and it came true. So he wasn't an alarmist. Mm. And so if we go to Second Peter... If we go to Second Peter chapter three, um, there is reference to to this story. Mm-hmm. And in Second Peter three, uh, the apostle Peter says, "In uh, I don't know if you've got it there, Ricardo. Yes. Can you read uh, verse three, please, through to verse um, verse six? Three to six says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Creation, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. And then keep reading uh, verse 7 and 8 if you can, mm-hmm. and 9. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, this is this is pretty challenging and confronting, isn't it? Um, mm. The apostle Peter is is letting us know how to live as we wait for Jesus to return. Yes. And he he highlights here in verse 3 onwards, he says that scoffers will come in the last days. Now, any mm. believer in, in the scriptures and in God doesn't have to look too far mm-hmm. to see people scoffing oh, about yes. the message of the Bible and the message of the Christian church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're scoffing, walking to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Since our, since our ancestors perished, all things have continued since the beginning of creation. Hmm. And then Peter reminds them, he says, you know, they willfully forget. Willfully. Willfully forget, intentionally forget. So they have a knowledge of the truth, these people. Mm -hmm. They are possibly people that have walked uh, through church doors perhaps regularly, but may Mm -hmm. not be, it might be a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. And some may be willfully ignorant as well. And willfully ignorant as well. And he says, uh, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were evolved and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Mm-hmm. So he's saying they forget that there was a flood that came and destroyed the earth. Mm-hmm. It was predicted. It was preached. We find that elsewhere in mm. Scripture, 120 years, and it came about. We're also reminded of the flood actually in the last message, message to be preached to the world, Revelation 14, the three angels' messages. Yes. Revelation 14:7 says, Worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea. And instead of saying, and all that is in them, it says, and the springs of water which is a phrase that is only found in the account of the flood, when the springs of water burst from within the earth. So actually in the last message to be given to the world as a warning, God is somehow directing our attention back to the the story of the flood. And that's that's interesting, that's interesting, Ricardo, because I guess what he's trying to do there in in Revelation 14 Mm. uh, is remind people, well, the flood was predicted, Mm -hmm. Noah was a prophet. He was sent by God to warn the world, not to be an alarmist, but to warn the world of destruction to come because the yes. world was wicked and, and wicked continually. And yet that was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And yet we read in Second Peter 3 that, hey, scoffers will come in the last days, but they've forgotten what took place in the past. Mm-hmm. Because God's word was true and fulfilled in the past, That's right. we can have confidence that will occur, that it will the same thing will occur again, mm-hmm. that... Um, uh, his word will be mm-hmm. fulfilled. It's interesting, too, that um, in Second Peter 3, it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In other words, people won't be ready for right. it. And our job as Christians is to prepare people for Jesus' return. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to be caught out like a thief coming into your house when you're not ready. Right. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And, mm-hmm. and then verse 11 is really powerful. It says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. In other words, since the world will, will be destroyed, what, what manner? manner yeah, you read it. Oh, yeah. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And then verse 12 says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day mm-hmm. of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So the whole message here, and we're going to go to a break very soon, the whole message here that, that Peter is trying to say is 
Because we know God's word was certain with Noah's flood, the Bible predicts a coming calamity and catastrophe. The world will be dissolved. It'll, it'll come to nothing. And he challenges us with what sort of people should we be doing, be living? How should mm-hmm. we be living now? So we should be living according to what we believe. If we really believe that Jesus is coming soon, our life should demonstrate that. They should reflect that. And, mm-hmm. and we should be... We should be ready and we should be prepared. Uh, and, and we have a role to play. Excellent. Looks like a good point to uh, take a break. Let's listen to a song by Makina Hickson, Peace in Christ. If you want to have peace, you need to come to Christ. And this is a song I'd like to do enjoy. i 
And that was Makina Hickson with Peace in Christ. If there is a place where we can find peace, is in the presence of Jesus Christ every day. Um, dear friends, once again, our giveaway for this week is the book End Time Hope by Mark Finley. The code you need to text, um, to text us is SA205. Uh, make sure you don't say anything else or don't put a comma between the digits of the code. It's just SA205. Text that to the number 04888808811 and we'll send you a free copy of this book. Um, let me talk to you about this book a little bit. Terrorist threats, school violence, devastating tornadoes and shaky economy, the rising nuclear threat in Iran and North Korea. It's enough to frighten anybody unless you understand what's behind today's headlines. This book provides answers to the confusing dilemma this world is facing. You will experience hope as you read each chapter. As we explore what the Bible says about what is really going on uh, on our planet, you will discover answers that satisfy your head and speak to your heart. There is something incredible, uh, some good news in this book by Pastor Mark Finley. The biblical teaching of the return of Jesus thus raised some questions. For example, how will Jesus come? Is it a secret, silent coming or a majestic, glorious event? What events will precede Jesus' return? Has our Lord himself given us end-time signs that signal his coming is near? What is the meaning of Armageddon and the tribulation? What about the rise of the Antichrist? How can we prepare for the coming of our Lord? Every chapter of end-time hope echoes with certainty. And best of all, the answers come directly from Jesus' own words in the Bible. You can face the future with greater confidence. In these pages, you will look beyond what is to what will be, and your heart will soar. Joy will be yours as you discover hope for today, tomorrow, and forever. So don't forget the code is, take note of this, SA205, no spaces in between, to the number 04888888. 11. And once again, we would love to hear from you. So send us, text us your comments or feedback or anything you'd like to say to that number and we'll be delighted uh, to get back to you. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, Big Q&A. This is Pastor Ricardo, your host for today. And joining me in the studio, I have Pastor David. This week we are exploring the theme the Bible, Jesus, and the end times. And today we've been having a very interesting discussion about the question, does talking about the end times make me an alarmist? So far we discovered that absolutely no. Uh, Noah, for example, uh, was preaching a message of judgment, a message of soon destruction to come upon the earth. He was not an alarmist. He was just worried as God was about everybody else. Um, David, what else do we have for the rest of the study? Yeah, look, thank you, Ricardo. Um, we probably need another hour at least, even <laughs> longer, I would suggest. And the reason so I suggest that, say. Ricardo, is um, many people have said that there are uh, 1,500 prophecies of Jesus' second coming recorded in the mm. Bible. And that for every prophecy of his first coming mentioned in the Old Testament, there are eight predicting his second coming. So I want to suggest that the return of our Lord is, is, is mentioned roughly one in five verses in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. 
So it suggests there's a little bit of a theme. In fact, not a little bit of a theme, but a major theme of the New Testament is the return of Jesus. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so I want to say that the cross is the foundation for our faith. Mm-hmm. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is no faith. Mm-hmm. But the focus of the New Testament church and the focus for us today should be on the return of Jesus, the living Lord, the return of Jesus, otherwise known as the second coming. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not just for like, you know, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. In our denomination's name is the word Adventist. We believe yes. in the Advent, the second Advent, the re- second return of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, if you mm-hmm. like. Yeah, and and. But every Christian should be an Adventist because this is the focus of of the New Testament. And, and let me just uh, take you to this. In, in Acts chapter 1, we're talking the genesis of the Christian church. The church mm. was born in a prayer meeting in that upper room. And uh, we know that Judas took his own life. Mm-hmm. Peter, gets, Peter gets up to speak in verse, um, in verse 22. And um, he says there, uh, he's, he's basically getting on to the fact they need to appoint uh, someone to take Judas's place. But in verse 22, he says, Beginning with the baptism of John to that day when he, this is Jesus, was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. So this is just before the day of Pentecost. Yes. They're selecting a new apostle. What purpose for? To be a witness with the rest mm. of them of his resurrection. That was a requirement. That was a requirement. Mm. They wanted witnesses, people that had seen his resurrection, mm. people who had journeyed with Jesus to be witnesses of his resurrection. And, and, and that theme of the resurrection is so strong and so central in, in the book of Acts. And, and I just did a quick survey, Ricardo, of the first half a dozen okay. chapters. It, it, it is the whole emphasis. In, in Acts chapter... Um, in Acts chapter 1, uh, sorry, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. and in Acts chapter 1, uh, Peter gets up and he preaches that they murdered Jesus, they crucified him, but he's resurrected. Mm-hmm. You see the same thing in, in Acts 4 and in Acts 5. They're in trouble and they're try, they, um, the religious authorities, the Jewish leadership, tries to silence the apostles because of the message that Jesus mm-hmm. has been resurrected. Yes. The impetus of the church was not on the fact that Jesus had died. We don't worship a crucifix. Mm-hmm. It, the impetus of the church, the growth of the church, came about through the power of the Holy Spirit because mm. men and women, 120 in that upper room, believed that Jesus had been risen from the dead. They mm-hmm. preached that message, and there is no value in preaching that Jesus has risen sitting in some lofty place somewhere in the universe called heaven if he's not coming back. Amen. If he's not coming back. Mm. And, and so their hope was in the return of Jesus, which in, in John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 to 3, Jesus promised he would come again, correct? Yes. And so this message and focus of the return of Jesus, the end times and the second coming, is not one of fear-mongering. It is a message mm. of love and a message of hope wow. to prepare people. That's why it's called the blessed hope of every believer. Spot on, and that was the one of the coming. next verses. <laughs> we find that in, in mm. Paul's writings, don't we? So all these prophecies of, about the end times 
uh, pointing forward to the second coming of Jesus, really, the, the main of all the events, the main one. It's really the emphasis of the New Testament, mm. the return of Jesus. Yes. Uh, so much so, Ricardo, that one of the very last verses in, in Revelation 22, uh-huh. Jesus says, surely I'm coming quickly. And John answers. His response is, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Wow. So no the f- fear, no fear. No fear. Mm. This is a message of love. I mean, uh, no. F- uh, let's put it this way: almost every one of those apostles and hundreds and thousands of other Christians were martyred, mm. not because they were scared and had a, and had an alarmist message, but because they believed that they had that Jesus, who said he would come back, mm-hmm. would come back. That's 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 the point of today's topic, actually, because, um, for example, going back to Noah, he was not an alarmist. He cared for the world, for the people in the world, because of the fact that God cares. And if we are truly followers of God, the fact that God cares means that we should care as well. A hundred percent, and so much so that in Hebrews 9 verse 28, Mm -hmm. it says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Now, we know in John 3, 16, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Mm -hmm. So Jesus died for all of humanity, right? But his sacrifice is only beneficial, his death Mm -hmm. and resurrection is only beneficial if people choose to accept it. Those who believe. So Hebrews 9.28, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, this world's a messy, horrible place, and the Bible promises a place that is far better. Of course. Revelation 21 tells us there is no more sickness, death, mourning, crying, suffering. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we want to be there? Things that eye has not seen, ear not heard, or come up to the imagination of any man. Exactly. So if Mm. if we have that message, if we Mm. believe what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is coming back, the message is not one of alarm. Right. It is a message of love because you don't want your family members to miss out. Exactly. You don't want your non-believing children to miss out. You don't want your neighbors to miss out. Yes. We've got a message to share. It's because God loves us. That he warns us, and he is asking us to, to do the same. And what I love about Scripture, whether it's whether it's with um, the 120 years as 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 Noah warned and preached, whether it's Lot and the angels coming to him and warning him, time was always given. Mm-hmm. The prophets came in the Old Testament to warn of Jerusalem's destruction. If they didn't change, time was given. Mm. Jesus has given us time. He promised 2,000 yes. years ago he was going to return. Yes, yes. He wants no one to miss out. We read in Second Peter 3, he wants no one to perish. That's a loving father. Jesus loving is God. coming back and he wants us to be ready. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Um, we really appreciate um, the fact that we have a God that cares about us, not a God that is always ready to punish us, always looking for opportunities to to punish his um, children, but instead a God that is suffering, waiting um, in a way that he can save as many as possible. Thank you so much, David, for um, sharing with us this amazing topic. Let's have a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for warning us about the end time events. Now we understand that this is not about being alarmists. 
This is about loving others, uh, caring for others as you do for us and everybody else, Lord. Thank you for that. Give us, continue to give us the privilege of sharing these um, good news of salvation, the warnings of love that you've given us in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in once again. This is Pastor Ricardo and Pastor David. Please join us tomorrow for another Drive Time Big Q&A show. We will talk about whether or not we should be afraid of reading apocalyptic books. So until then, remember that God said, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Second Peter one nineteen. God bless you all. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.